Hello, heroes, and welcome to another exciting episode of One Shot. I'm James D'Amato, your host and Game Master. This week we're continuing our Hammer of the Earth adventure. Before we get to that, I wanted to make a quick note on our Make Georgia Twice as Nice fundraiser. Our original goal for this was going to be $6,969, but I realized that OneShot is also going to support the World Builders End of Year Drive to support Heifer International this year. And it's probably not a good idea to run two fundraisers at the same time. So, before we start up our support for the Heifer International Drive... I want us to hit a Make Georgia Twice as Nice goal, and I figured I'd make it one that is slightly more attainable in the time frame we're given. So I've lowered our goal to $4,206.90. It's still going to be a substantial amount to support Fair Fight Action, John Ossoff, and Raphael Warnick. We've so far raised $3,759 with 59 contributors. If you manage to hit that 4,206.90 goal, I will still put Call of the Sky 2 on the Captain's Edition of the album at no additional cost to the people who backed. A huge thanks to everyone who's already supported this drive. And remember, if you can't support financially, you can still support Fair Fight Action by volunteering your time. Now, with all of that out of the way, let's get to the show. He did say it was just something he was drinking, but now I think of it, maybe that was what brought on the spores. Drinking something that made you go green. Chloroform, I think they call it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. I think Blaze will try and give a few shifty looks over to Arjun. Try and make it look like they're still working on the bikes and then just give a very, like, loud all right i'm all done here on the bikes yeah i'm just going for a walk and then probably head over to uh titanium stack (laughs) and just say like now look yeah kid i don't want to worry you untowardly none um but uh, i think you and i we we better keep an eye on uh, one of our fellow outriders. I'm not saying anything for sure just yet. I'm just saying we should keep an eye. Non-green eyes. <laughs> on on. Who? And he'll just like point, like do the little nose tap thing, but to the eyes. On on who? <laughs> on the ruiner. Oh right, yes, eyes, yes, no, I will definitely. <laughs> <laughs> subtlety is not something hammers do, even when that subtlety is not subtle. <laughs> As Arjun C uh, finishes up his own work and like heads over in that direction, uh, Blaze, I trust your um, I trust your work was uh, successful. Oh yeah, Hopefully yeah, yeah. Everything's can... gone wrong, right? Don't you? Hold on, Jane? sorry. What what, what work? I thought we were just waiting on the bridge. Yes, but uh, we felt that our bikes could do with a little bit of a. Uh, Why are you messing pet? with the bikes? Just to go faster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed, to get us to to get us to our destination quicker. 
And th- we'll that, that does seem sensible. And I'll have you know, it's held us up barely any. <laughs> Indeed. And so uh, uh, I, I wanted to know, Sasha, were you were you taking the option or were you taking the, the time? Uh, no, I think I was taking the time because yes. I liked the idea of the kind of <laughs> conflict in the camp. To check in, we now have 11 hours on our clock after three painstaking hours or maybe it's just two painstaking hours and you're going to lose a third in not properly modified bikes uh to make you actually go faster to be fair i just assumed that whatever place had done to the fuel actually slowed it down (laughs) (laughs) i like i kind of think it you know it it could cause a breakdown at some point It, it either will dilute the fuel slowing you down or I'll have, you know, mechanical problems pop up, whatever is most convenient for me in the moment. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> after two hours, eventually the bridge resets. And now with the bikes being still, it is much easier to properly shoot out the, the shock spikes and administer them so you can safely cross the bridge and begin moving again. This comes to a question of speed. The reason that someone would want to move faster as they get to the, to this part of the ruins and we get underneath the sharp eyes of the ruined spire. The spire has seed pods that like extend out in like these sharp protrusions that come off the spire and occasionally one of these seed pods will like puff out and explode over the world sending a thick cascading uh, hail of pollen pollen that like falls in these thick flakes that uh, uh, again like split off and I, I think there is kind of like a rainbow cloud that extends from the different parts of this spire around it just of thick layers of pollen and i think arjun you know that this pollen can be lethal to inhale there are forms of the pollen that are inert there are forms of the pollen that can you know cause a minor euphoria or maybe emotional variance and there are forms of the pollen that will straight up kill you there are only a few of these spires in the world and no one uh, none of the ruiners uh, at least on the hammer understand what governs whether or not these spires exist what you do know is those seed pods and pollen pods can go quite far and the ancient track is absolutely within the threatened zone of it so whilst i may not know the exact cause or reason why there are texts of rainbow pollen is deadly it looks it's beautiful but deadly uh, what's a rainbow um <laughs> multicolors uh, it's caused by light um look don't don't worry about it there's physics involved uh, uh, titanium, you know how you were asking about uh, extra face uh, coverings? Yes. Um, this is a good time for where we oh. need them. <laughs> so he pulls out a dwindling ration of uh, of material, because he was hoping not to have to use so many on the way there and for the way back. And um, he hands out another one to everyone. Uh, make sure this is tight, breathe shallowly, and we gun it through here. We need to get as quickly past this pollen... As we can. Oh, okay. Uh, 
And actually, Argent's timbre has changed. Uh, it's not as resonant and considered as you have heard Argent speak before. There is actually an element of serious, like an undercurrent of panic in his voice. Uh, this is like the most agitated you have heard him. Oh, I love it. So y'all have a choice, and I think it is mostly between mind, body, and spirit, because it sounds like the challenge to me is as you move at breakneck speed over this section of track, how do you keep your breaths shallow? Arjun focuses on his training, both as a, a leaf stiller and his, and his scientific training. It, he just goes over what he knows of, like, body physiology and plant physiology and just focuses on that in order to maintain as shallow a respiration as possible so i'm going to use mind excellent blaze i think is quite used to when working the big big engine fire keeping a fairly shallow breath mm. when there's like a big rushing roar so i think that would be a body i'm gonna take different ones of these <laughs> dice yes uh, i got a one <laughs> <laughs> I am going to spend an option to re-roll that one because halfway through the cloud, Arjun's, like, the thickness around his eyes, and especially because he's still under the influence slightly of the analytical potion, has made him a little bit too mm. sensitive. So he has got a bit distracted. So he's going to just take a moment to refocus. And that's a four. Cool. Okay. Dead Piston is actually, rather than taking shallow breaths... Uh, he's going to notice that the pollen kind of gets burned away close to the really hot engine. So he's just, like, straddling his bike really low Ooh. and, like, just keeping, like, close, like, just tight hugging to this very hot engine. So I'm going to say that's Materia. Nice. And we're all right. We're all right. Titanium is uh, just trying to control his emotions and focuses on how disappointed blaze would be in him if he got spored Aww. and went ruinous to try and kind of keep himself calm oh, that's good ah and rolled two ones uh oh no <laughs> okay so i think i'm gonna spend an option which is so i start panicking yeah hyperventilating and in in a moment of panic to just try and get myself to feel safe and secure again i start like ripping off bits of my armor and very quickly hammering them into a sort of like metal face mask with like the sleeves of my jumpsuit stuffed into it that I can then put over my face to, to calm myself down. So like I'm kind of taking away my protection to focus on the mask. Oh God, I love that. I like the idea that somewhere on the bike there is like a little kind of anvil that like... Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Hammers like always like modify their bikes to like have an anvil so you can make adjustments and things on the on the roll. So that rules. Hey, let's not generalize here. <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Titanium. Welcome to my new Quick Forge video. So this is a nice hack if you're ever into. Be sure to hammer that like, smash that subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I just saw actually one thing with with hammerers uh, a way to um like really really intensely uh, agree with somebody you just have to say yeah that really resonates with me fuck yes of course oh <laughs> nice delicious with the decadent sin of that pun uh rolling around <laughs> in our mouths uh, we can oh sorry i've just realized i got so caught up in doing the option i didn't re-roll yeah uh, re-rolls. I, yeah. I, ro I might roll more once. See if it works. Yeah, don't I die. did not. It did. I, I got rid of them both. Oh, <laughs> <thank you. laughs> 
I like the idea that heavy is like the hammer version of like cool. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or like <laughs> yes. That's heavy. Love it. Absolutely love it. So there are moments where your group might have faltered and wavered in this zone. I think one of the most difficult things is no matter what faction you're from, movement being a core cultural thing to everyone aboard the hammer, the hardest problems to deal with are problems that you can't deal with actively. You're in a position where you really just have to run your engines as fast as they can and wait until this danger has passed you. You were just in kind of a long idle time, and while you did work to fill that time, you were waiting on something else. And now, once again, you find yourselves in a place of waiting, and it's easy to stray to that path, and it takes a lot of willpower to keep yourselves on course. As you exit this area, these sort of drab colors that you know, your motorbikes have and that your armor and clothing has, has this now light dusting of color on it. It is the normal pearlescent pollen that kind of swirls in the air, mixed with these very rich and saturated pollens that the shooting seed pods have from the spire. Uh, You are finally out, but like, it has touched you, and in a way that is unnerving. Yeah, Arjun, as soon as we are clear of the cloud, is basically going to signal that we need to stop, and we need to get rid of uh, pollen that is coating our clothes. Uh, and he offers up again he reaches into his pouches uh i have a weaker form of the um uh the the liquid that we used to get that i used to get rid of the um the plant beasts uh uh in a spray uh in a spray um and he offers like he's got two of these he offers it around whether or not they wish to actually believe arjun and take it mm-hmm. is up to them. But he starts he starts spraying him his things down, and he says, "Coat yourself with this uh, with this spray. The pollens will die, and it will be neutralized. Uh, uh, spray the bikes as well." Uh, Dead piston. The whole front of him, like the back of him, is caked in pollen, but the front of him is clear because <laughs> it, but like yeah. slightly singed. <laughs> I think the liquid in this spray is kind of an electric green color. Like, it comes out, and he's basically spraying himself with this bright neon green that glows in the sun, in, like, the fading sunlight as it's beginning to set. It is one of the scariest things that anyone has ever seen. Does it seem to actually destroy the pollen? Here's the thing. It is washing the pollen away. That color is gone, but it's replaced with this electric green. So... Everyone in the group kind of has to run a calculation of whether they want to trust in uh, leaf stillers like assertion that this is going to destroy the pollen or like thinking, but you've just taken away one color and replaced it with arguably the worst color, green. (laughs) (laughs) Anyone who's hesitating, you just said, look. And as he does so, like his white his white coat is tinged with these green droplets. Uh, I know it doesn't look great. Uh, um, however, I can assure you 
the efficacy of this liquid. You saw what it did. You saw what it did to um, the creatures which were chasing us. Uh, um, I, if I remember it's, correctly, it's, it killed them. Yes. Uh, so I'm going to have a quick look. This, Are your eyes still at all green, or has it faded away now? They. It, it's probably got slight tinging, but it is probably faded by now. Well. Okay. Uh, what do you think, Blaze? Oh, I don't know. That looks like chloroform if ever I've seen it, and I'm no fool. Mm. <laughs> Blaze, please. Uh, I look. Not you, too. Are, you, you, you are you are an experienced outrider. You know that sometimes we have to use. You have read. You have ridden with ruiners before. You know that sometimes we don't use the most. Uh, Sometimes we have to use somewhat unorthodox methods in order to get the fuel that we require. And Trust not to undercut me, the metaphorical pollen of paranoia, uh, but that liquid he would have had to prepare back on the hammer. So. Yes, I came prepared. Uh, well, I suppose if it's for the good of the good of the hammer. Yeah, unorthodox I mean, methods. If, if someone's ha- like, if someone has happened to leave still, and I'm. Okay, look, I'll be honest, I was kind of messing with all of you when I was... I'd, it's probably fine. You know? Thank you, Dad. He had, to, he, he had to prepare that back on the hammer, so even if he, he did get spored or, or whatever, like, it kind of affected that thing. So, okay. And that, Dad's going to just toast himself coming from you. You think the ruin is something to be messed with, laddie? I suggest you take a little bit more respect for things. God forbid you ever find weather. I'm not. I th- hey, I don't think the ruins to be messed with, but you guys, I don't know, maybe. We do what we need to do in order to keep people alive. Uh, the city, the the hammer needs to continue. The hammer needs. The hammer must forge its path. Uh, all of us, uh, the hammerers, the stokers, the ruiners. We all have our parts to play, and we all have limited resources to do it. Yeah, Blaze is kind of invoking an ancient disagreement between the Stokers and the Ruiners. Philosophically, you know, the the Stokers are like, the only thing that we can trust is fire because it destroys the ruins. And, you know, the the Ruiners, like, (laughs) we have to use the ruins and cannibalize them in order to keep things moving. So, like, these two groups kind of, like, jockey with each other. And, like, this is not just political. Like, this is really rooted philosophical here. I think both of them are making what to them and people who are raised in their cultures are the most compelling arguments possible and you've got these hammers caught in between you all really think we're going to succeed don't you huh? we have yeah to of course succeed. we will <laughs> sure sure i think blaze is gonna take the bottle but not use it yet love it and just be like keeping my eyes on you so for everyone who decides to take the bottle, Anil, you're going to make a roll, mm-hmm. and that roll will work for everyone who decides to use your liquid. For what looks like Blaze right now, you are going to have to resist hallucinogenic effects of this pollen using one of your stats. 
Great. Uh, okay, I am rolling two dice for Naturia. That is a two, and that is a one. Um, I am going to spend mm-hmm. an option uh, with having uh, having imparted more of my like technical know-how into this rhetoric uh, to ensure the success. And that is a four. Yes. Cool. Okay, excellent. <laughs> ho ho. Oh no! Everything but body is at yeah. two now. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Um, so we're, we're uh, with Blaze. What is Blaze doing to resist this? I think this is going to be a spirit roll, just like the strength of Blaze's trust in the fundamental hatred of the ruin mm-hmm. and <laughs> belief that only like fire, um, etc., can help. So uh, that's going to be two dice for me as well. Okay, no one yes. there. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, phew. Uh, so, yeah, you, like, you know, maybe you, you've got this tucked at your side or whatever. You, you've, you've taken it essentially to be polite, but, like, you're dealing with your own stuff. And you are, I think, because you've got that red-hot glow of the engine beneath you, like, you can kind of focus on that glow. And maybe as you continue your journey and your vision is swimming a little bit because, like, your skin is absorbing some of the toxins of the pollen, that glow is what you use to center yourself. And you don't stray from your path because of it. We are now coming up on the final two landmarks. One is what is called the Oil Slick Mound, one of the least defined things that was written in the ancient texts, a lost bit of knowledge for generations. As you come up on it, you realize you are seeing smoked glass. One of the things that originally, as the ruins started to overtake the world, people were trying very hard to prevent light from coming inside. You know, they used a lot of red and orange lights on interiors and certainly in the interior of the train because it is harder for the ruin to feed off of that light and synthesize it. So most of the buildings have like this smoked kind of obsidian looking glass on the exterior. Now that you are close enough, you can see this is a switching station that overlooks the tracks that are headed in and out of, in the far distance, the tunnel. The tunnel where you have presumably the train. And at least on the side of the tunnel that that your group is, you don't see a train sitting outside the tunnel, which means you're probably going to need to go. It's inside the tunnel. Okay, hold up. I think we should probably take a take a while, rest up before we head inside. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We probably should. Um, should we rest inside that? thing it might give us some shelter from the, the plants i say kind of gesturing at the the old slick mound or it might be full of stuff that's even worse than what's out here yes y- yes um we can rest in its shadow um i don't think i don't think there is anything around that is immediately going to harm us unless we disturb it to and he looks like he glances over at um, at Dead and at Blaze, and I don't think I want to risk uh, 
finding out whether or not that is for certain. Yeah, Arjun, you know, like you're you're right now using an educated guess here, but you do have yeah. another vial on your bandolier that oh, yeah. would allow you to open up your perceptions again. Oh, but you're yes. hyper aware that that uh, makes the group really not trust you. So this is like a very calculated yes. risk that you're taking. Yeah. At the end of the day, like these are his friends and his colleagues. Uh, he doesn't wish to push that boundary too far, <laughs> especially knowing that, as I say, certain parts of the Ruiners, particularly Ruiners who are outriders, do not have the best reputation. Uh, no, why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so we rest here, yeah? Yeah, I think a rest is a good idea. Don't forget, ruiners are also likely your medics. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, like he Arjun does hand out like a few like medicated rations. Uh, uh, like those of you who've been injured before will recognize them basically as cogs with a well it, to the ancients, it would have been recognized as a Kadachia, sir. Uh, but now it's actually just like a stick, a line with various crisscrossing lines uh, to represent uh, like the snake twine staff of healing. So um. you hand, you get a cup, you get a biscuit each uh, um, with that symbol that you know is medicine. Uh. <laughs> Ugh, I hate medicine biscuit. So do we need to do the the resting? Yes. So the way the resting oh. mechanic works, I, I will remind everyone, currently there are 11 spare hours remaining. You are all going to secretly decide a number that you would like to bid for resting. That number is the number of marks that you will be able to erase from your stats. However, you are going to lose hours equal to the highest bidder. So, you know, you could come in and be like, oh, yeah, I want to remove five marks. But if your group is being really cautious and someone bids two marks, they're only going to get so much out of losing five total hours. So you have a real risk reward system of like how far you think your group is go is willing to push time in order to remove marks, because this is probably... Uh, not even probably. This is definitely the only rest this group is going to get for this scenario. After that, you're headed into that tunnel. And whatever you're rolling with, you're rolling with. Okay, I've made my decision. I have two. I have I've as made well. my decision. All right. Okay. How are we going to do this? Yeah, show of I think fingers it's show or of hold fingers, up a dice? Sure. All right. Okay. So on three, two, one. Okay. okay, so oh. the high bid is four, and we have two people uh, taking four. Uh, it says the highest bidder takes responsibility equal to the difference between their bid and the second highest bid. I think in this situation, you're both marking two responsibility there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, I know in the beginning we had Blaze Mark three responsibility for, for the group, and especially as we've come to learn that they're the most experienced outrider, that kind of makes sense. Was there any other way that people get responsibility or is it just in resting? It's just in resting. Yeah, so like choosing the plan is kind of the major thing. And then there's a, a chance of, of pitching it over to somebody else if, if you want to, to rest up a lot. Basically. Cool. 
cool. Yeah. And so people, if, if they were playing out longer sessions, you could easily see how you could be passing that ball back and forth. I am now going to subtract four from your time remaining, which is going to bring you down to seven hours. How many options do we have left between all of us? I've got one. I have one. Uh, I have I have my yeah, life. I, I, I have one and my life. Ooh, this is so good. I love it, folks. Uh, Arjun is really riding the edge. Yeah, out riding the edge. Is his bag of yeah? Is his bag of tricks about to come to an end? Uh, yeah, like dead pistons just sort of off uh, off a uh, like a few meters. He's he's rolling up a like. I imagine there's a sort of a, like a dried processed form of the plant that is periodically smoked for relaxation yeah and he's mm-hmm. he's having a he's having a, a, a just <laughs> off on his own just looking out over a dead world i i, I think that is like Arden... well no a really alive world a terrifyingly <laughs> yeah. alive world that is probably like an appropriated stoker ritual because you are literally lighting some of the ruin on fire and and breathing it in so like for for stokers i imagine like there's kind of like a a ritual thing associated with it but for hammers and like some other unscrupulous people it's like yeah yeah we we just take that and smoke it cuz it calms the nerves <laughs> since uh, arden is unable to take full advantage of the fo- uh, of the 4 hours uh, when he's ready he like he spends some time muttering to himself as he's wandering the perimeter and like Checking his pockets, checking his bandoliers, and rechecking them. Like, he's going through this, like, assiduous set of motions. And then he reaches the, the, the pouch which has the... Or the pouches which have the remaining two exfoliant bombs. Uh, he unbuckles one of those pouches, sir, uh, and walks over to Blaze, uh, and holds it in his hand, and holds it out to Blaze. Uh, I think it is probably a good idea if we split some of our potent resources, sir. Uh, I have two more of those exfoliant bonds. Uh, they were a little bit more powerful than I expected, but we use that to our advantage. We have no idea of what we are going to face in the tunnel. If I am brought down, it is probably safer if these are split between us. Uh, I would like you to have this one to use at your discretion. Well, I appreciate the offer, but I'm no ruiner. I wouldn't be able to... You don't have to be... You don't have to be a ruiner. All you have to do is throw it uh, or drop it. uh, So long as it explodes in a vicinity of plant matter, it will do exactly what it did back then to the plant beasts. uh. Look, we're all going to come out of this all right, okay? I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I haven't lost people on outrider missions, but this is not one of those times. Same. Exactly. So you can keep everything... You'll be able to use it yourself. And I mean, if you can't, then I can take it off your dead body, but <laughs> you're going to be fine. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> yes. And he, he, he smiles and, rebuck- and rebuckles it uh, uh, to his belt. I think that rebuckling is a little bit unsteady as your hands are shaking <laughs> somewhat.
Hey heroes, it's James, your Game Master, and welcome to the mid-roll. Heroes, we are approaching the last few days of voting for the Audioverse Awards. And several one-shot network shows have been nominated, including Campaign Skyjacks, Skyjacks Courier's Call, A Horror Borealis, and The Broadswords. And folks, this year competition is stiff and these shows need your support. So if you haven't already, please head to audioverseawards.net and vote for your one-shot favorites. Just rank us number one on your voting list. And while you're there, and while you're there, be sure to show some support to friends of the One-Shot Network, including the folks over at the Rusty Quill Podcast Network, the Ardent Podcast, and Rude Tales of Magic. So once again, head to audioverseawards.net and rank one-shot shows at number one. Heroes, if you are enjoying this episode, I have great news. The Ultimate Micro RPG book is coming out very soon and may have actually shipped out to some people. There were a few delays in printing and distributing the book due to COVID, but now the Ultimate Micro RPG book is set to come out Tuesday, December 8th, and it is full of 40 different micro RPGs by some of the most talented RPG designers out there. And it should be available wherever you get your books, whether it's a major online retailer, a big box bookstore, or your favorite local independent brick and mortar. Just head to bit.ly slash ultimate micro RPG to pre-order yourself a copy and get it just in time for the holidays. As always, heroes, we are extremely grateful to our supporters on Patreon. Without you, we would not be able to make episodes like this. Your support helped us pay all the performers from the Rusty Quill Network who appeared on this show and our editor for this series, Tracy Barnett. Thanks to your support, we can make one shot and keep making it even better. Now with all of that out of the way, let's get back to the show. Before we, we cut over to see what uh, Titanium and Dead are up to during this break, I want to point out that in the, the not-too-far distance, we can see the tunnel itself. And during the day, you know, it was this dark, shadowy mass. But now that it is night, it is, apart from the starlight, the only light anywhere that can be seen that is not coming from the orange glow of your own torches because inside that tunnel there is a mass of bioluminescence that is undulating in front of you grim mm. <laughs> beautiful but grim <laughs> so uh what titanium does for the break is sits down with his back up against the old uh, slick mound and then just falls straight to sleep I cannot be roused for four hours. Yes. Oh, I love it. <laughs> the hammer sleep. <laughs> Literal yeah. power sleep. Yeah, power nap. <laughs> the person's just kind of smoking. He's chain smoking a bit. And like just kind of looking at Titanium Stack, just asleep. Just this like look of like this weird tired envy mm. god yeah the way titanium snores is like <laughs> the rhythm of hammering <laughs> like it's uncanny <laughs> how exactly he is the things that people keep telling you you are not weirdly there's no there's no shake in dead piston's hand at all 
Like no, like he doesn't seem at all afraid of what's coming. Oh, good, good. So four hours pass, and it is still night as you are ready to approach this tunnel. And if anything, it's only gotten brighter and more menacing after that rest. But you do get to erase your marks or some of them and recuperate a little bit as you prepare yourself to enter the tunnel, enter the ruin of the fallen train, and reclaim the fuel that you need to keep the hammer moving. So, um, should we check in the mound? Maybe they've got some sort of, like, tunnel boring car or vehicle, something to get us in there. I don't really want to just walk in there or the bikes might... I I don't know. I just... Well, that tunnel looks bad. Yeah. Yeah, it does. So one thing you know is there will likely be a piston map inside that switching station that will show... If there is a train in there, if your information is correct or still correct after 150 years, it will show where that train is Ah. located and maybe save you some searching time. Well, there should be a piston map in there. Um, Then let's go check. Yeah, the less time we spend in that tunnel, the better. Yeah. Let's go. Yes. (laughs) Uh, I hope that it hasn't um, jammed or anything. Hopefully we'll be able to take reasonable readings from it. Let's have a look. Yes. Okay. How Uh, do you get in? Arjun prods around with with his blade uh, to see if he can find any kind of ingress at ground level. Uh, Yeah. So, like, you prod around and you do eventually, like, stab something that rings a little bit different. The building is mostly made out of a firmer, whatever sufficiently advanced technological form of concrete that has been Mm -hmm. developed, like this, like, weird plastic concrete mix that doesn't decompose. You you poke into something that rings with the sound of metal uh, and you have found the door. Huh. I use the uh, I use the blade to basically hack away, sear away the uh, the moth and uh, and such. Gently prod the door, seeing that it probably doesn't yield. I turn to uh, the others. It looks like we're going to need a lockpick of some kind. And he actually looks and, and Arden like kind of like looks very um, pointedly at a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was... Tiny, you're up. Okay, right, yep, that was... Yep, okay. Uh, I need a running start. Um, step back, there might be, you know, debris. And yeah, I'll uh, I'll go for it, which I'm assuming will be a body roll. Yeah, if that's what it is to you, that's what it is. Hitting something with a sledgehammer? Yeah, mm. I think so. Yeah, so I'm back down to uh, only one mark. So two dice, and they're good. Yeah, but describe this door just getting obliterated. So I take a running swing uh, at the door and I'm expecting it to shatter, shatter because it looks like glass, but whatever it's made out of is far stronger than anything we, we're sort of aware of. So when I hit it, the door just completely leaves its fastenings and is just fired backwards into the mound as a shape <laughs> and just disappears. And all we can hear is like the clanging and smashing as it kind of bounces around in, into whatever is inside. Yeah, I I think like it starts with this clanging clatter as the door flies back and eventually the sound stops too abruptly as though it has hit something soft. 
That sounded bad. Just mm. uh, get my blowtorch ready. Well, with that blowtorch up in front of you, like I, I think it casts like a thin like layer of orange red light down this hallway and you can see inside the station and you know most of this looks like ghostly and dusty and untouched but you can see something drip from the ceiling onto the floor a reflective kind of surface on the floor but the dripping is too slow to be water and when it reaches the reflection on the floor, it doesn't ripple in the way you would expect liquid water to ripple. But being this far away and with such little light, it is difficult to tell what's actually going on down this hallway. <clears throat> I think there's nothing for it but to keep on, but slow and steady, like. If you say so, I mean, fundamentally, unknown dangers in there, unknown dangers in the tunnel. Let's avoid the pool. Why are we going in here? Is edges. it just to check that the train is in that tunnel? Because let's be honest, if we go in that tunnel and the train isn't there, we have bigger we're problems. But this this should at least save us the hassle, or at least will allow us to be able to pinpoint its location. Yeah, I think Arjun is like the most historically researched out of out of the group. Arjun knows that these the the tunnel is a massive switching station, and there will be a lot of different potential tracks it could be on. Knowing that could save you hours. So, oh, okay. So that was me thinking this tunnel was just a tunnel. Uh, but no, it's a labyrinth. No, Brilliant. The, that's, I feel like that's the, the sort ancients, of thing should have been mentioned back on the hammer. The ancients were uh, dedicated in trying to get to, multi, to many places. Uh, that's one way of putting it. Try tried to be efficient well you know what they got they got under my nerves <laughs> sometimes that efficiency has mm. um, not played to our advantage could we go see what the scary good uh is or, yeah could we could we go please i don't yes sure dead piston's just gonna walk forward with the torch and like just shining it on where the uh where the goo's coming from as as you walk forward you can see there are different points of liquid ingress into the thick like plasticrete hull of this building it is mostly going through the the plasticrete and you can see that like forms of plastic in here have really melted and been eaten away by this kind of thick sappy substance that is dripping from the ceiling the dark smoked obsidian glass that is you know nigh indestructible and creates the external hull of this place is untouched but the plasticrete is just kind of like thickly warmed over by it as you step over it on the floor, like it is extremely sticky and it hangs off of your boots in kind of like thin lines. And the deeper you go into the building trying to approach that piston map, the more sap there is lying around in deeper and deeper puddles. I'm not sure we're going to be able to get over this, but let's uh, give it a shot, I suppose. We can. Um... um. Uh, um, Any ideas? Could build a bridge? That's just what I was going to suggest. Now you're thinking like an outrider. 
Great. Have we got any sort of planks or larger planks? Oh, where did that door go? Um, start hunting around for the door that I threw in. Yeah. Yep. It, it's not it's not too difficult to find. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Actually, and seeing that, Arjun goes outside and sees if he can find, like, a pole or a branch uh, that he can use. Because if we can basically use the door as a, like, punting ra- uh, like punt our way across <laughs> oh, the... Oh, um, I love it. Uh, down oh, these tunnels. Oh, that's so good. Someone make a mind roll for, for this whole thing to come together. Uh, I, I will. That's fine. <laughs> Oh. Two successes. I love whatever the <laughs> composition of this <laughs> is. Like, it creates a surface buoyant enough that, like, it will float this door with everyone on top of it. And, like, despite being this thick, sticky sap, it, like, moves enough that you can actually gondola style, like, push yourselves across yeah. it. And you kind of float deeper into this room where you can see how much of this sap has like oozed through the walls and like flown over this place. Everything in here is is covered in this sap, which, you know, I think is kind of golden and, and sparkles a little bit in the dim orange red light of your torches. But you are able to navigate your way to the piston map that displays like kind of the complicated labyrinth that is the tunnel switching station. How good, like in what state does the piston map look? It looks like, I mean, one of the great things about this piston map is, is a mechanical thing, right? So it's not like you need to turn it on. It's whatever final positions things were in, they were, you know, in, in those positions indicating where things are. However, I do think some of the pistons have degraded, specifically the ones that 150 years ago, <laughs> like, were around the train. So while a lot of the positional information that you get like is is good and firm the ones for the train are subtle and will someone will need to work hard to spot them who is that person dead piston is going to just scurry over the map and it's just basically going to be tinkering with the gears to free him up to uh, unstick them. Oh, yeah, I love you've got this, like, small, subtle hammer that, like, really kind of is your hammer. Mm-hmm. And you just knock about yeah. things and, like, knock springs loose and there is the train. It makes sense because, you know, dead piston, uh, going for dead mm-hmm. pistons. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is a two. Uh, so that is enough. Here we are. Okay, just... There you oh. go. Oh, excellent oh, work, good. Dead Piston. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I am very glad that you are on this mission. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> he just won't let us in. Your skills have proved invaluable. Uh, you, you now have a very clear idea of exactly where the wreck is. All you need to do is get into that tunnel. Does... I don't suppose the piston have the pistons map has the train's name on it. Yeah, what is it? As in, oh, sorry, are you asking? Me? Yeah, well, I'm at, I'll, I can even ask <laughs> yeah. the group. We know that your home train is called the Hammer of the Earth. 
I've got like something like Rolling Mountain in my head. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, no, I like Rolling mm. Mountain. Yeah. Yeah, the, the Rolling Mountain is very good. And you can see in whatever like movable type like nameplate there, it is clearly labeled even under the layer of, of this sap. You can see the Rolling Mountain. It, it is stuck in a station that blessedly is not terribly far from the entrance to that tunnel. Okay, that's that's good news. Okay. Um, let's go get this over yeah, with. Yeah, let, let's go, let's go. And you begin to turn your punt around and head back out the way you came. But what you see in front of you is kind of like a slow-moving wave of this sap. Like, a, apparently thick globs of it have oozed down the wall and moved towards you. Whoever is pushing the punt right now, like, probably jerks in surprise a little bit. And that causes the stick to move faster. And you realize a very important thing. The faster you try to move through this sap, the more rigid and resistant it becomes. It's a human glue trap. Oh no, it's uh, one of them uh, fluids, uh, you know, non-good. <laughs> I think uh, Dead Piston has hit the nail on the head okay. there. Which, I guess which one of us is punting, right? Because that's the, the person with the control. Unless someone else has a non-punt-related solution. Mm-hmm. I feel like since this is essentially moving a train forward blaze would probably step up to that one all right everyone slow down and uh just try and like move in slow motion like this well again it's an auditory medium you cannot see (laughs) the slow motion punting movements i'm doing but trust me they're a delight Ooh, perfect. I have never been with a cast that has done better pantomime, I, I think. And <laughs> it's really going to show in the final product. <laughs> so yeah, roll it up. Okay, I'm going to roll for potential on that one, which is two dice. Yes! Yes! Whew. You've Woo. really hit a turning point. No one. At some point, in the last hour or so. It's, uh... yeah, don't say that. <laughs> It's come just in time. What could go wrong now? (laughs) This is all going very well. (laughs) While everyone is doing a slow and steady push to move through the sap, uh, you do something to like crest this wave coming towards you, like push it away to either side and break it. And I think you need to do something like involving a a tool or a piece of equipment that shows that this sticks and kind of like eats away at both plastic and flesh like an acid would and just sort of digests it. So I I just want to know like what thing is sacrificed? What what piece of equipment uh, is used to like part the sap for you? Well, I don't want to get rid of my blowtorch or my taser. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want to bring in a third thing that Blaze might have. For sure. And then lose. <laughs> Something maybe made out of like leather yeah, and plastic. I think 
Well, I was just wondering about what kind of organic material it could be that would also be used for fire. And I feel like um, there may be some sort of like thermos flasky oh, thing. yeah. That, like a, a heating rod that stays hot. So it's like it's got this sort of like fire inside it. You know, just some liquid fire. Yeah. <laughs> and then is like bound with leather and maybe some sort of organic Padding. It's probably like wool that's from co- like cotton type mm. wool that mm. is grown on the train. Yeah, yeah, and perhaps that's like the least valuable thing that they have to be. <laughs> I actually think this is an incredibly valuable object in that this is like a warm, kind of pleasant thing. This is one of the luxury items that you've picked up on your many adventures because really it's something that if you have to, you know, sleep out here in the wastes or really even on the train, it is something that is just pleasantly warm that you can slip into a bedroll or, you know, have with you by your side. They're rare, but like they're also tough and useful, especially being kind of made out of both plastic and leather like it's a thing that you know has some durability to it so you don't really think anything of it as you stick it into the sap to like kind of carve it away and it gets eaten away as your group kind of trudges through and you realize what you did was the most reasonable thing in that solution there are more important tools that you needed to protect but you still regret that it had to be used. Blaze just gives a small sob that then gets covered into a cough, like... (laughs) 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 And with that, like, you, you manage to push this door to a point where you are at the edge of the sap and your group is able to leap over it and make your way quickly out of this building as almost now slowly raining from the ceiling around you is more and more of this terrible sap that maybe gets on your skin and after a few seconds starts to feel like it burns. Eesh. Eesh. Not liking this. (laughs) You've got to get through this, fortitude folks. And now you find yourselves outside around your bikes, looking at that horrible bioluminescent tunnel in front of you. Okay. All right, nothing for it. <laughs> yep, and we go for the hammer. Here we go. For the hammer. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> sure. It's where we live. <laughs> Life sucks and living sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you start pulling yourselves toward this tunnel. As you get there, you need to use the torchlight on on, on your bikes and equipment less and less because the interior world in there is just so bright. And you can see that a lot of the world inside the tunnel is crusted over in these kind of glowing coral formations. They are all thick and and sort of bony extensions of plant life, covered in in polyps, oozing, you know, not with that sap, but with some kind of liquid. And just everything in here is so, so bright. And 
thinly attached to and grown over the ancient world. Uh, there are still legible signs and whatnot sort of marking the various stations of the switching post. Arjun, for all his dedication to the mission, is still a scientist at heart. Obviously, none of the texts have really talked about what goes on in the dark and the tunnels, uh, and is really tempted to try and get some samples, but knows that he has to try, has to focus on the mission. Uh. Yeah, that is going to be tested right now, in fact, <laughs> as your oh, bikes good. <laughs> are coming into contact with this stuff for the first time. I was actually going to suggest that we maybe leave the bikes outside, Ooh. to be honest. Yeah, that is something... Mm. Because I don't know, I don't um, know what they're going to be in the tunnels, other than a, uh, other other than a big that's heavy true. hindrance. Yeah. yeah, I think that sounds difficult. Is going to be keeping the ruin away while they're out here. Yeah, mm. that's fair. I think yeah, we we leave the bikes outside and proceed on on foot. To... Yeah, you. I think you got to leave the bikes outside with their like chainsaw bits running at the tunnel. So in case there are any vines <laughs> that kind of encroach, they get ground up. So you've got an exit path. Yeah, I think one thing that uh, Titanium will do is um, sort of heft off this kind of big like sled that can be mounted to my back, so that if we do find the fuel and we need to get it out, we can attach to the sled and pull you it. You can drag it quickly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Arjun also suggests that we turn the bikes around so that we can quickly jump on them <laughs> if necessary <laughs> and head straight out <laughs> back the way we came. So you leave the bikes, and one thing that your group, I don't think necessarily thought about as you left the bikes is what that would do to the sound of this place. There is so much softness around here. So many like angles that are not hard or machined angles. They are collected and odd and jutting, which means they swallow sound very effectively. And there is also still a thick layer of floating pollen in the air that, when it snows outside, you can tell that sound has receded somewhat as the snowflakes themselves are disrupting your ability to hear. In here, you find the most still quiet any of you have ever experienced in your life. There is no comforting whir of machine. There is no echo of voices. There is only your own breath and heartbeats. Oh no, someone soundproofed it for podcasting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, somewhere in this tunnel, there are people who are telling you opinions about bad movies. (laughs) (laughs) Right, uh, I mean... Dead Pistons just heading on in. Yeah. Yeah. I suggest a rousing sing song. <laughs> suggest the way. Chugga 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 choo choo chugga 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 choo chugga 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 choo choo chugga 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 choo chugga 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 choo. Don't that lift the spirits? Yeah. Yeah. Next round. Chugga chugga. Oh my gosh. Dead Piston does end up walking slightly faster, though maybe not because their spirits have been roused.
This episode of One Shot uses music provided by Scott Buckley, provided under a Creative Commons International 4.0 license. Tracks used are Emergent, Signal to Noise, Resonance, Helios, Catalyst, Beautiful Oblivion, Omega, Emergent, Pursuit, and Parasite. This episode of One Shot was edited and sound designed by Tracy Barnett. You can find more of their work anywhere online at The Other Tracy. Well, heroes, that's it for One Shot this week, but don't worry. We'll be back next week with more Hammer of the Earth. In the meantime, be sure to check out some of the other amazing shows here on the One Shot Network. As always, we end One Shot with a call to action. And this week, I just want to remind you that we are closing in on our goal of $4,206.90 to make Georgia twice as nice. So if you haven't already, please head to actblue.com donate slash GA69. If we manage to hit that goal before the end of our fundraiser, I'll be adding a new song, Call of the Sky 2, to the Skyjack, to the Captain's Edition of the Skyjack's Call of the Sky album. And remember, if you can't donate money, you can always donate your time to Fair Fight Action. So let's flip the Senate blue and work together to fight voter suppression. Thanks, heroes. As always, a humble and hearty thanks to our supporters on Patreon. If you want to help us in a non-monetary way, the best thing you can do is tell a friend. You can also leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Every five-star review we get helps new people find the show. For the latest one-shot news, be sure to follow me on Twitter at OneShotRPG. Look us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash oneshotpod, or look for news on the site at oneshotpodcast.com. If you want to inquire about ad rates, live appearances, commissioning episodes, or you have a general question or comment for the show, contact us at gamemaster at oneshotpodcast.com. OneShot is a production of the OneShot Podcast Network in association with Paracosm Press. Paracosm Press is a Chicago-based tabletop games publisher. You can find more information at paracosmpress.com. Finally, that music, which is right now swelling up over my voice, is Adventure by Be Your Own Pet, courtesy of Infinity Cat Records. See you next time, heroes. A castle.